Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today's audio comes from our Saturday night service on December 19th. And this is part five in our series, Living in a Larger Story. This one's called Plot. So thanks for listening, and don't forget to check us out on the web. Our new website that we just launched a few days ago, www.northshorevineyard.org, where you can download more messages, you can catch up on news, and uh, see all the cool things we got going on here at the North Shore Vineyard. So thanks for listening. Living in a Larger Story, Part 5, Plot. Well, tonight I wanted to start off by, you know, musicians like showing their collection of instruments. So I'm going to show some of my instruments here to you. This here is my baby Taylor. I like this one. Yeah, this is my Hobbit guitar. Uh, I, I take this one anytime I travel because you can pack it up in the overhead bin of a, of a, of a airplane. It's a good guitar. talk we would we would shoot this guitar but um <laughs> i've had this guitar for a long time uh i got this when dina and i were dating and i actually got this in covington and it, it was uh at the music corner over here in covington when it used to be in business and and i remember the day i got it because it was the first day that i held dina's hand and so it was like so for a musician like scoring like a really cool guitar and then holding you know it's like it's one of those days it was like wow uh <laughs> And then this is my, um, my, my standby, my, my standard guitar that I play here, and you've seen this. Uh, do y'all notice anything common with these three guitars? Yeah, they all have a scar. Yes. Well, I, I just brought those out because you, it just as kind of a little analogy here, you know, there, there's a, a guitar maker by the name of um, Danny Farrington, and... He has made guitars for Pete Townsend, George Harrison, Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Emmylou Harris. Uh, I mean, like, all these very famous people from rock and roll country, different different aspects. And he's he's created these acoustic guitars for him. But I was watching this this documentary on him, and he showed this picture of of a guitar that he'd made for Johnny Cash back in the 70s. And the, the front of it looked pretty okay, but you look at the back of the guitar... And it really put mine to shame. I mean, I think there might have even been a hole in the back of it. It was from Johnny's belt buckle. He had this big old belt buckle with eagle's wings on it, I think. And uh, so they asked Danny, um, aren't aren't you a little offended that after you put so much work into the the craftsmanship and the choice of woods and and the inlay work and all this stuff that you do to make, I mean, these guitars sell for thousands and thousands, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars. Aren't you offended that somebody like Johnny Cash would destroy the back of it like that? He said, no. He said, that's the biggest compliment that a guitar maker could get. Because he said, you know, uh, 
it shows me that they're playing the guitar, that they like it. He said, you know, I love doing the inlay work. I love the craftsmanship. But ultimately, I want a guitar that a musician's going to want to play. I want a guitar that's going to inspire musicians to make music. And so I was watching that documentary, and I thought, you know, I, I have a feeling that's probably the way God feels about us as his creation, that, you know, I think God would probably get a lot more joy out of somebody that's got a, a few dings and a few bruises from, from going after it with everything God's given them than somebody who's just taken that beautiful life and put it, you know, in a case and tucked it, tuck it in the closet. And so tonight, you know, we've been in this series called Living in a Larger Story, and tonight I want to talk about, you know, last week we talked about a, a crucial element to, to stories, which is conflict. Anybody had any conflict this week? I hate talking about anything because it seems like, you know, you talk about it and uh, you, you have conflict. I was having conflict on the way home that night. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, but tonight we're going to talk about another crucial element, which is the plot. You know, the plot, whether in, in writing a story or whether in a movie, it's, it's the author's intended direction for that story. So if you're writing a story as, as an author, you got a place you want that story to go. And the plot may take various turns and twists along the way, but uh, <laughs> we're going to get us a, a water fountain back there one of these days. Uh, but the plot is the direction the story is moving. And in the same way, I think that, you know, God is writing a story, and, and, and like we said last week, he's writing it on people's lives, but his story is going somewhere. And, and too often, we lose the plot. Have you ever w- watched a movie and you, you kind of, you're not paying attention, or maybe, you know, it's just got way too many twists and turns, and you, you lose the plot, you, you don't know what's going on? I think that, that for too many of us, we lose the plot in the Christian story. And so tonight, I want to start us off, if you got your little outline page there, I want to start us off by looking at basically what I think is the mission statement of God's rescue plan for humanity. It's the introduction to the plot of how God is going to rescue the world. And it starts all the way back in Genesis 12. Now this is, uh, God comes to a guy by the name of Abram. He, he's later known as Abraham, but... Um, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abraham, Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. I love how relational God is. You know, God, God doesn't come on the scene and snap his fingers and just immediately make everything better. He's a relational God. The, the Trinity itself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There was relationship going on in God before he ever created anything. But his, his rescue plan is initiated through a relationship. He, he, he initiates a relationship with one person. He says, Abraham. He said, Follow me, and I'm going to do some amazing stuff with you. I'm going to bless your socks off. But, but you know what, Abraham? It's not just about you. It's going to be about what I do through you. Other people are going to be blessed because of what I'm going to do with you. So the plot line can be summed up in this. Blessed 
to be a blessing. That's God's plot. That's, that's what he's doing. His rescue plan, he's, he's, he, he initiates relationship with Abraham. And from Abraham's descendants, he's going to make a people. And Israel was intended to be a people that would be like a, a, a lighthouse to all the nations. That all the nations around them would see Israel and having this special relationship with God. And they would want God because of, of what they saw. That was his plan. Blessed to be a blessing. So God wants to do a work, just as, when, as with Abraham, God wants to do a work in you. He wants to do a work in us. But also, he wants to do a work through you. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we lose the point a bit and we start thinking, we, we get real excited about God wanting to do something to us. Like, God wants to bless me. We read that stuff about Abraham, and I've actually heard plenty of messages preached like this. You know, God wants to bless you and make you famous. And we're like, yes, I want to be rich and famous. You know, that, that's great. That's awesome. But we miss the part where he says, it's not just about God blessing you and making you famous. He wants to do something that's going to bless everybody else through you. See, again, you're not the point. You're a point along the line of what God is doing. So oftentimes we lose the plot. And I want to look at two ways that we can lose the plot The first is forgetting God and slipping into idolatry. Deuteronomy, I I didn't leave it because the passage was too long, but you can look it up later. Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 18, 10 through 19, I think. Um, This is the people of Israel. They've, They've come out of Egypt. They've been in slavery. Times have been bad. Now they've gone through all this time in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. They're about to go in the promised land, and God gives them some advice as, as a people, and he tells them this. He says, when you have eaten and you're satisfied, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. But beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes, which I'm commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied, And have built good houses and lived in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness, he fed you manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and he might test you to do good for you in the end. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. And he concludes this by saying, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as to this day as it is to this day. It shall come about that if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other goods and serve them and worship them, I testify you today that you will perish, that you will surely perish. I know that's an awful lot to read. Basically what God is saying 
He said, there's going to come a day. You're, you're starting to step into the things that I promised you from long ago. And there's going to come a day in the not-too-distant future where you're going to go from being a nomadic people who is, you know, trying to, you know, living off of manna, walking around the wilderness. There's going to come a day where you're going to be able to build houses and your cattle's going to get, you're going to get rich and, and, and you're not going to have to worry about where the next meal's coming from. He said, don't forget that it's me who brought you here. Don't forget that it's me, that, that I'm the one who sustains you. Have you ever noticed that tendency in your life that, you know, you get in a crisis? When we have a crisis, it's, it's very easy to pray, isn't it, you know? <laughs> you, you, you get down on your luck, you lose your job, you, you, you know, you have financial problems, sickness, disease. It's not hard at all to pray. Anybody out there can pray. But it's when things start going good, we, we get that temptation to think that, man, I'm pretty wise. I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty good with money. You know, people like me. I, you know, things are going pretty good. And we forget God. And just what God said to them here, he said, if you forget me, you're going to fall into idolatry. What well, was idolatry for them back then? Well, it was actually worshiping statues. <laughs> but, you know, you and I can fall into idolatry, too. We have idols in our, cult- in our culture. The idolatry of money, status, position, power. When we forget God, we begin looking to these things for our life. You know, an idol is simply something that you look to for your life apart from God. And you know, whenever you do that, you die on the inside. It, 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 may, it may give you some feeling of, of, of power in the world, but, but it, it, in the same way that God said you're, you're going to perish if you fall into idolatry, something in us begins to die when we start looking to those things for life. Because you can't ever get enough money. You can't ever get enough status. You can't ever get enough power. It's not that God is opposed to those things, but he wants them to flow from him, and he wants us to remember who he is. So the first way that we lose the plot is we forget God. We forget God, and we start thinking that all this stuff, all these blessings in our lives are just about us, and 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 they're just from us, and, and they just exist for us. And the second thing is we can fall into a religious club mentality. We like clubs, don't we? I think everybody likes clubs. We got, we got scrapbooking clubs. You know, you, you may have a, a club that gets together to play Texas Hold'em or, you know, a, a cigar club or whatever, you know, a, a stamp collecting club. Uh, I'm probably missing some, a gun club. You know, there's all kinds of clubs. And, and we, we like clubs because when you get into a club, you're, you're, all, you're all coming together around something you like. And, and you can get, you know, you got Trekkies. They just get together and talk about Star Trek, and they're real weird. And, uh, you know, we got these. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Brian. <laughs> Live long and prosper. I'm just deflecting. I'm not going to talk about my clubs. Uh, <laughs> but we like clubs because we feel the sense of belonging. There's a sense of connecting around something we like, and, and we, we, we feel like we're in. And, but the only problem is we can take that very mentality into, into our spirituality, into our Christianity. And Jesus was all the time fighting this tendency with the Pharisees and scribes. And I want to read, read something to you out of Matthew 23, 23 through 24. You got that in your notes. Jesus says, you're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get, 
but on the meat of God's law, things like fairness and compassion and commitment, the absolute basics, you carelessly take it or leave it. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. Do you have any idea how silly you look writing a life story that's wrong from start to finish, nitpicking over commas and semicolons? See, Jesus is saying, you know, see, the Pharisees, they, they got this club mentality. They started following every law, every, you know, came up with their own jargon, their own way of dressing, their own rituals and customs, and they had it all down, but they, they, they missed the point. They missed the meat of it, like treating people with mercy and compassion and, and, and looking for justice to happen. You know, the things that involve other people. <laughs> you know, they actually, they actually made this kind of club mentality to, to even get in. You had to know what to say, how to look. how to, and, and that's a shame. And Jesus said, you know, when you start doing that, you can, you can follow everything down to the point. But, but you, you're missing the heart of what I'm about. I'm about you being blessed so that you can be a blessing. See, the Pharisees, they made walls that separated people from God, that kept people away from knowing the truth. Because, I mean, have you ever been around like a, a highly technical group before? I used this analogy before that, that the sound guys at my old church, uh, they would, uh, I'd get together with them out back after, after worship, and, and things would be going great. And then they'd start talking about hertz and megahertz and and you know, yeah, capacitors and things like that. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's cool. You know, I tried to act like I knew what was going on, but, you know, I I didn't know anything that was going on because they were speaking a different language. And I'm sure that the different people in here, you're in a field where you can get in in your professional language and, and alienate us all. But that's exactly what the Pharisees had done with God. They had made a highly technical thing that kept everybody out with their language, with their dress, and with their things. And they missed. They missed the point. They lost the plot. They were having a good time. You know, we have that very, we have that very same temptation, even as a new church, especially as a new church. Man, you start coming around. It's like, man, I like this. This is the first time I've, I've ever had these kind of, you know, deep conversations with people about God. It feels good, man. It's like, I, you know... I, People know my name. I'm not alone anymore. I love this. But, you know, you can get to, to where you start feeling that way, and then all of a sudden you don't even realize it, but you're shutting other people out. Well, woe to us if we ever get to that place. I'm not saying we're there yet. But that temptation is always out there because we will miss the plot. I've been around some nasty little churches before where, <laughs> where you know, I don't want nobody to come around. So... I'm just going to conclude tonight by saying this, how we find the plot. And I think this, this I want to put this in light of stewardship. Um, and, and I want to pose this one question to you tonight. And you can answer this tonight, but I think it's, it's one to, to even ask God, you know, to, to, to ponder for a few days. How can I be a better steward of the things God has given me? Whether time finances, or even wisdom. How can I be a better steward? I think oftentimes we talk about stewardship in church when it comes to money, and certainly it's good to be a good steward of money. That's good. But what about your time? How about being a good steward of your time? You know, we, we did a, a program in uh, Kenner, which I'm, I'm hoping 
we can launch. It'd be it'd be awesome if we can launch this uh, by next year, uh, next fall, called Kids Hope, where we adopted a school and and we sent in twenty mentors. Uh, Judy was actually one of them, uh, and Dina was the director of this program. But we sent in twenty mentors every week, and each mentor spent one hour a week with a, an at-risk kid. Just one hour, and. Uh, Man, we saw so many kids, their lives turned around just because they had one adult in their life that was a stable person that loved them and just showed up. And just showing up every week, it changed these kids. And some of these kids actually had a mentor for four years, the same person showing up one hour a week every day, you know, every week that they were in school. That's a good way to spend an hour out of your week, isn't it? That's that's a good story. That's being, <laughs> that's taking the blessing of the time that God's given you and spending it. Well, that's being a good steward of your time. It's a worthwhile thing. But you know, the, the reality is so many of us, and I'm, I'm real guilty of this in this last week, <laughs> so many of us have spent so much of our time already, we got nothing. We don't even have anything to give to our families, <laughs> much less think about giving to other people. Well, I want us to ponder this in the future. How, how can we be better stewards of the time that we have? so that we can actually make time for other people. Now, I'm not saying just make time to serve at church. You know, I'm not trying to put that slant on things. We can certainly make time for that. But I'm talking just making time in our lives for others so we can be a blessing. What about wisdom? You know, some of you guys, you may have wisdom in finances, like, that is uncommon. I know people that, man, they understand, like, investing, and they understand, you know, I don't, but... <laughs> Uh, you know, they understand financial stuff, how to get out of debt, how to tweak things on your mortgage and stuff like that. If that's you, don't hold that stuff in. Be a good steward of it. What about your marriage? Maybe God has brought you through some horrible things in your marriage and you're still alive and kicking and you think, you know, I've got some wisdom now. i got some scars. <laughs> i got some wisdom. Well, don't, don't hoard those experiences Maybe you can help somebody else out, some young couple that's, that's starting out down the road. Maybe you can help them avoid some of those pitfalls that, that were, were a mess in your life. That's being a good steward of the wisdom God has given you. But again, that's understanding the plot. If God's given me any wisdom, it's not just for me. It's so I can help others. If God's given me any time, it's not just me time. It's for others. If God's given me any money or resources or anything, it's not just for me. It's not just about me. It's a bigger story than me. It's to help others. It's blessed to be a blessing. So I think even as we, we step, step into this, this new year coming up, and as we're kind of in a, a reflective season right now, I think that's a great question to ponder. And, and I don't expect you to answer it tonight. But ask this for the next few weeks. Maybe you spend some time with God. God, how can I be a good steward? You may think, dude, I don't even have like 15 minutes hardly in my life. I got very little wisdom, very little money, (laughs) very little anything. Well, hey, start where you're at. Start right where you're at. God's not asking you to be a steward of stuff you don't have. The idea of stewardship is being faithful with whatever he's given you. So if it's relationships, Wisdom, time, money, personality, giftings, whatever. Begin asking yourself, God, how can I be a better steward? You know, salt will do no good stuck in a salt shaker. 
right? Agreed? It's not going to make your food taste any better if you set that salt shaker next to your plate. You turn a light on, a lamp on, and you put it underneath your bed, it's not going to do you any room, you know, any good. Those were the two pictures that Jesus, that Jesus used. The same way, a guitar, a finely made guitar, finely crafted, is not going to do any good if it's just sitting in your closet, nice and immaculate and never played. The world needs to hear the music. People around you need to hear the music. And uh, this is where finding the plot comes in. See, living in a larger story is living in the reality that we are blessed to be a blessing, that others may be blessed through what God is doing in each of us. All right? Amen? Nobody left quickly? Let me just close this with a word of prayer tonight. And, uh, you know, why don't you all stand up and, and we'll dismiss here in a second. And if anybody needs any prayer tonight, just feel free to come up here to the front and uh, I'll get myself and somebody else and we'll pray for you. Or if you want to just write down a prayer request, if you're freaked out by having people pray for you, I understand. I've been freaked out too. So you can just drop a request. We've got some paper over there and you can just, you don't even have to sign it. We can, you know, prayer works even if we don't know your name because God does. So uh, you can uh, put your request in the, the offering basket over there and we'll, we'll be glad to pray for it. Heavenly Father, tonight, Lord, we, we do, we want, we want to get on the plot. Lord, we don't want to miss the story that you're telling, Lord. And God, for, forgive us in the areas where we have, have missed it, God. We've made it about us and, uh, or we've thought that, that we just got it here on our own and we forgot how you've brought us here, Lord. God, tonight we remember that. We, we remember tonight that no matter how hard things may look in our lives right now, we remember that you've been with us and you rescued us, God, and you brought us here. And so tonight, God, we, we want to we stay on track with the story you're telling, with the, with the mission, with the plot line of the story you're writing. So, God, help us to, to, to wrestle with this question of stewardship in our lives. And show us in the days to come what that looks like for each of us, God. And I know it looks different from one person to the next, God. But show us how to live a life that is not just about us, but it's about being a blessing to others. Because, God, there is no doubt you have blessed each and every one of us, God. Just the fact that, that we have voices to sing, with, sing to you tonight, God. Hands to raise, God. And we just, we're thankful. So we just ask for your, your wisdom as we ponder these questions in the days to come, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.